Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching the Fantasy Points Cashing Points live stream. Uh, today, Graham will not be joining us. His entire street is without power due to some D-bag, I think, taking down a, I don't know, uh, how does that even work? Does Do you take down a telephone pole? That's, that's not enough. I don't know. It just kamikaze into a uh, the entire power grid. I don't know. But he's not here. So we're joined today by Jake Tribby and Darren Manser. Uh, Jake, how are we doing today? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, excited to talk over the slate. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed Tom Brady isn't isn't on the slate this week because I'd love to go on a 20, maybe 30 minute unhinged rant about how the collapse of FTX and the loss of his personal fortune uh, affects his projection this week. But, uh, he's running bad, man. You yeah, know, he's he's, he's really running in. bad. I think I think you know for the most part uh, he's he's having a way worse time than a lot of a lot of regular people these last. He has the worst passer rating than Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> how the mighty have fallen. Uh, I feel like when he sold his soul to the devil, the devil was like, well, you're going to go down in history as the greatest of all time. And like Brady is like that. And then the devil's like, well, little do you know, 2022 is going to suck for you. Yeah, really bad. Um, And you're going to have to play until you're 55. (laughs) Well, I think I feel like uh, the Rolling Stones made the same deal with the the devil and like Led Zeppelin. It's like, you're going to be the greatest of all time. But you're going to have to play on stage every day until you die at 103. (laughs) Um, So I've heard mixed things about this slate. I've heard some people say this is easily the worst slate of the year. I don't know that I I see that. Um, And especially not because I I feel super aligned with Darren, who I had on the show I typically do with JM. And uh, yeah, super aligned. And like the way he laid it out, I thought, uh, it was just on point. So like this slate makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but yeah, Darren, how, how are you doing? Has a lot changed since the last time we talked? Um, I've had a couple quarterbacks, which we'll get into. Um, apart Ooh, from just a four that we, that we talked about. I don't about, know. I liked your, I liked your approach. I like just hammer 33, 33, 33. We'll get into Josh Allen, see, you know, what his story is. Um, his running away from, uh, the media with, I guess they had practice and the media came in. He went running off yeah. to the locker room. So that's uh, that's always fun. So so uh, Graham is not here. Graham is not our host. I'm going to do my best attempt at being the host, but not, not really my strength. But, again, I'll try my best, and, and we'll just dive into it, starting with this game in particular, Vikings versus the Bills. Uh, Darren, what, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on Josh Allen with this injury – I would be very surprised if he plays this week, but I mean, if he does play, you really have to consider him and the receivers in this absolute smash matchup uh, with, you know, lower than expected ownership. Um, So what are you, what are you seeing on Buffalo's side? Well, basically if, you know, if he plays, I I like him a lot due to losing to the Jets. Um, Even though the Jets are a better team than not the same old, you know, shitty Jets from the past. Um, but I think some of these elite stud guys don't like losing. He's got that mentality. Um, so and a, a guy like him, I think I'll just keep throwing no matter what the score is because um, they can't run the ball. Um, so that's another thing. And Minnesota's been dreadful against wide receivers and quarterbacks last uh, last few weeks on top. Um, I haven't seen the weather um, in Buffalo yet. I'm not sure what's going on up there. I'm not sure what the storm that just passed through me is uh is actually doing um and obviously the you know the all the 
all the common pieces, the targets, you know, with Diggs and, and Gabby, um, Mackenzie, Sneaky, Knox, plenty of weapons. So, but yeah, he's, he's Josh Allen. I mean, you know, how can you not? He's just he's kind of easy to talk about. Uh, here's what I'll say. Um, at first look, you know, or if Josh Allen were perfectly healthy, this would be probably the highest on game game stack of the week. Just like so exciting. Um, like you said, Minnesota is like the worst cornerback core in football. Amazing matchup for all the wide receivers. They're really vulnerable deep. I could see this being a Gabe Davis game and Diggs, you know, such a monster, absolute smash spot. But if Allen plays, you have to worry about health. And again, I don't think he plays. On the Minnesota side, it's trickier, especially with Tredavious White possibly back this week. Um, I, I think TJ Hawkinson's interesting. I think he's probably the immediate wide receiver, too, on the team. I think Adam Thielen's a little dusty. His usage last week was incredible. Tons of schemed throws, first read throws going his way. But he's not cheap, and he's not in play uh, with with Josh Allen. Uh uncertain he would only be in play for josh allen stacks if he were healthy um so i think again i don't think josh allen plays so i i don't think anyone is at all interesting here i've seen some people talk about devin singletary with with the backup quarterback maybe i don't know i'm not really about it uh i think you you can't play digs at 8300 without allen but at the same time like the second best game of his career came with uh, this exact quarterback, Case Keenum, under center. Um, and that's my thoughts. Jake, do you have anything to add or subtract from that? Um, not not really. I think, you know, it's important to note that with, with Keenum from 2017 to 2021, he targeted running back 6% more often and tight ends 5% more often than Allen did. In general, he's a little more conservative than, than Allen is. So I think those short area throws will be a little more live, assuming Keenum starts. Dawson Knox is a little interesting. I mean, no one's going to want to touch these Buffalo pass catchers, um, you know, if, if Allen sits. So I, I'm a little interested in, in you know, Diggs, maybe Gabe um, in tournaments. Knox would probably be my favorite play overall, assuming Allen sits. But yeah, I don't, I mean, it's it's hard to love anyone here. Hawkinson's interesting because he's pretty clearly overpriced on, on DraftKings. He, he really doesn't project particularly well um but i mean we saw really great usage last week on a on a short week you log you know 82 83 percent route share i believe so um you know he's interesting but yeah with without Allen, it's it's pretty easy to see this being a, a fairly gross game and maybe that gives more credence to playing someone like dalvin cook even you know despite it being a pretty tough matchup overall for the minnesota offense uh sharon is demanding i read the chat right now so i I will have to do that but but first let's set up our next game which would be detroit and bears jake we'll stick with you uh is there anyone who really stands out to you be beyond the obvious justin fields yeah i think i think for tournaments what's what's interesting is i mean fields is going to be the highest highest owned quarterback of the week he's a cash game lock he projects Really, really well. I think for for tournaments, what's pretty interesting is that none of these Bears pass catchers are are projecting to be particularly popular. Um, Darnell Mooney will will be up there, but I mean Chase Claypool saw really great usage on I think a 30-40% route share, and we'd have to expect that to come up. Um, 
this week. So, so I think like you can really get different in, um, tournaments in general, um, just by, just by, you know, stacking fields with basically any bears pass catcher, you can even get wild and, and double stack it because I mean, the Detroit defense is, is a complete disaster. So, um, yeah, I, I really wouldn't shy away from fields because of, because of ownership on the Detroit side. I mean, we've said it for weeks. Amon Ross St. Brown at, at full health is, you know, 92 to 95% of Cooper cup. And he costs about 75% of Cooper cups price this week. So he's a pretty glaring value. Um, beyond him, you know, none of these Detroit tight ends are in play. People are going to talk about Jamal Williams a little bit. And I think he's definitely alive, you know, due to the touchdown equity. Um, so yeah, him and him and Amon Ra are probably your best bets for, for runbacks there on, on field stacks. Uh, yeah. So here's what I'll say on Amon Ra is, He's now more sort of a hybrid player than the full-time slot. That's due to injuries to Josh Reynolds last week, but it's, it dates back to DJ Chark's absence. And uh, I think I think Wes sort of wrote that up as a plus, and I, I just don't see it that way. So much of what had me all in on Amon Ross St. Brown was in part his talents. You know, Wes saying, no, this guy should have went in round one. Uh, but a lot of it is due to Ben Johnson and his love for slot wide receivers, how he runs the offense through the slot, dating back to, you know, uh, early career Jarvis Landry and his time in Miami. And uh, yeah, I think that hurts him. I think it, we're seeing that in the numbers, fewer first read targets, fewer schemed targets. And Josh Reynolds is, is basically, they're splitting that role 50, 50, um, or 40, 40. And, uh, and so that's a little concern to me. So like, if you want to fade him for tournaments, I think you can go that route because I mean, like he, he just hasn't done it in recent weeks, but by the same token, he's no doubt a top value. And like, I do want to just jam him in and be like, we know who he is. He's a freak. He's, you know, finally probably 100% healthy. Um, he, it's not necessarily a great matchup, but it is the vulnerability uh, in Chicago's cornerback trio. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how I see it. Uh, it is also a great matchup for Darnell Mooney uh, and, and the $2,700 ch- t- tight end and Brock Wright, who I'm probably not going to play, but just Detroit, the fire, the defensive backs coach number uh last week or the week before and it's not hard to see why they're just hemorrhaging production and so justin fields to me is just such an obvious value uh detroit isn't just bottom three against quarterbacks they're bottom three against quarterbacks through the pass and they're bottom three against quarterbacks through the run quarterbacks are scrambling on them at the highest rate in the nfl so giving up the fourth most yards per scramble rushing attempt uh tons of rushing production on the ground and it's just uh, must play for DK cash for me. Like I, I get the Patrick Mahomes arguments, but that's how I'm leaning. Darren, what do you think? Um, Darren? I don't mind. You hear me? I'm yeah. Here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't mind, um, uh, Jamal Williams, um, Chicago, same deal as before. Haven't been very good against a run. Um, Swift obviously is, isn't playing that much. He's, uh, He's got the potential to get two or three touchdowns. And I don't think that many people will play. And I think no word about him and Swift sharing time. But even though Jamal is clearly like the back as far as that goes, 
Um, some interesting that you can do is you you mentioned the tight end for uh, Detroit. He's so cheap. I mean, you could start a lineup with Fields and and was right, and then just you know play other pieces. Not that you have to have to hook up because I think wants- that's a great point. Yeah, if you're playing in tournaments for sure, just that's an easy stack with lots of underrated upside, and he doesn't kill you if he busts. Exactly right. So I mean, he scored last week, and you know we, we're we were we're going to assume they're going to be throwing. And um, St. Brown maybe getting extra attention as far as that goes and everything else going on. So he might, I mean, he's, he's, he's 27. He's a cheap tight end as a punt. You know, tight ends are a pain in the ass anyway. You know, he put 10 in the bag. He's all oh, this guy's the best one and the worst one scores. It's just <laughs> the way tight ends have been going, these cheaper ones lately. So I, I don't, I, I think that's a pretty interesting way to do it. And my, and I, we talk about on the show, uh, the way I'm stacking fields is I'm just doing at least one from the game. It can be on his side or the, or the other side. If I end up with more, that's fine. But, you know, I won't have any more than three. Let's put it that way. So I won't have a full stack with, with him because I don't think there's that much upside. Can I get all of, all of them in there? Uh, just, you know what? You know what? This is interesting. I wouldn't mind, like, you could do Fields um, and then Wright and uh, St. Brown. That's kind of cool. It's different. Uh, Sharon wants to tell us that uh, McDermott said at the press conference, Josh Allen is no longer day-to-day. He's hour by hour. Uh, Yeah, I really just don't think he plays this week. Uh, My thoughts on Jamal Williams, uh, I get it. And I think, like, you know, the contrarian bros can can make a compelling case for him. They even maybe make a compelling case for DeAndre Swift, but just, like, personal preference, it's not the way I, I play ever. Uh, you know, Swift obviously was barely involved last week. The week before, he played 55% of the team snaps. He's probably healthier. Uh, the matchup doesn't get me too excited. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought about writing him up. We can move over to Kansas City, Jacksonville. And I think there are a ton of people in play this week on both sides. Uh, Patrick Mahomes really stands out to me as one of the best quarterback plays the slate and I I actually like like you don't want to play him because it's so hard to stack him with outside of Kelsey but I actually like that because all these guys seem mispriced to me uh over the last five weeks uh five or six weeks Juju Smith-Schuster ranks 10th in fantasy points per game Nicole Hardman ranks 11th and so it's one of these situations where you need to fire a lot of shots. It's a big advantage for someone like Darren using the MME, but asymmetric upside if you nail the right stack. So like the probability of you nailing the right stack is low, but if you hit it, you make so much more than, than what you would have lost. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the matchup's favorable. Hardman's questionable, by the way. He may not. Oh, interesting. I, I don't, I oh that's right. That's right. Oblique. I didn't see the injury report. I'm not sure if you guys saw it or not. So could be Kadarius. Could be Kadarius well, Tony. Could be me to it. So yeah, Tony or MVS. I bump up big time, and then I I don't I wouldn't mind doing a double with if he's out. The target tree gets lower, so then I wouldn't mind doing a a Juju MVS or Juju Tony. 
I'm, I'm still I'm, extremely skeptical, skeptical just because he only played nine snaps last week. It could be like a Justin Watson game or something like, like who knows? Yeah. But I mean, you can figure Tony has the skill set to fit into the, the Hardman role, right? Like at least like more so than Justin Watson. Yeah. Like that would make the most sense. But then again, you know, uh, Andy Reid wasn't playing Sky Moore. Yeah. Um, you know, he says he has a small, he like a small understanding of the playbook. So there's like just a handful of plays designed for him. Uh, and then what about the other 80% of the playbook? I think there's, there's risk reward there. Yeah. To me, he's just like an MME Darren play where you get, you know, 7%. But how I play, having a few amount of lineups, I, I probably don't, don't play him. But maybe, you know, you never know. Um, sticking with this Kansas City side, um, Patrick Mahomes has been a juggernaut since week four. He uh, is averaging the second most fantasy points per game of all time, or what would be. He appears mispriced to me. There's game script concerns. This should be a blowout, but that hasn't stopped Mahomes this year. His most productive games were all blowout victories, um, and he can just get it done in the first half if he needs to. Um, what about Travis Kelsey? Because right now he's priced like, I haven't done my write-up yet, but he's priced like, you know, a low-end wide receiver one. And he is giving you low-end wide receiver one production. But then in comparison to all the other super gross tight ends, I think due to positional value, that makes him a really strong play. What do you What do you guys think? Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I... Ownership will be interesting there. I'd imagine he probably clocks in around 10%. And I think, you know, Kelsey at 10% is, is kind of always a pretty solid play. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the volume's great. It's just, yeah, it's really just a matter of competing with some of these lower price guys. And, you know, there's a lot of decent options, but there's no one who, you know, at least on the surface, looks like a true smash play. I mean, I know we'll, we'll talk about a few guys later, but yeah, I, I like Kelsey a lot. I mean, I think if you go like Mahomes, Kelsey... Juju, MVS, even Tony, like those are going to be fairly unique double stacks, even with Mahomes being being pretty popular. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't have any problem with Kelsey. I agree. Um, all right. So Jacksonville side then. I don't think any of us have interest in CEH or you know, no. this gross running back by committee situation. Uh, I think Lawrence is interesting. Like I, I like the idea of having that really condensed uh quarterback core with with uh, power law potential and I, I don't see that for Lawrence but he is just 5400 he was PFF's second highest graded quarterback last week in another soft matchup he got it done on very few attempts he's going to be forced to pass this week and the matchup is is perfect Kansas City's defense is so bad uh and if you play him you can stack him with the more exp- expensive options you're going to see a lot of Mahomes with the cheaper wide receivers and Lawrence with a Kelsey. Um, Christian Kirk has another amazing matchup. He paid dividends for us last week, and this matchup might be even more favorable to slot wide receivers and wide receiver ones than it was last week. I think he's an amazing play. Uh, and then Travis Etienne to me might be, might be the best running back value of the week. There's again, game script concerns, Kansas City is far more vulnerable through the air than on the ground. He did see 61% of the routes last week, which is great, a season high by far. But uh, not a lot of targets at any point this season. Uh, 
Darren, where are you at on the Jacksonville side? All these names I just discussed. Um, Ingram's cheap, super cheap in that kind of game. And I like him a lot. Uh, so you don't have to pay, pay up for tight end. Chiefs are bottom five against tight ends the last five weeks. So I like that quite a bit for, you know, to, to make the stack work. Um, Travis Tien is one of my top three favorite running backs to, to play. Um, I love the talent. I like watching him. I like how fast, hard he runs. And um, he's, a, you know, they got some pieces to stack. Kirk's been up and down. But this is the type of you know game where he can, you know, have that monster game. So this you know game should be super interesting. But once again, I'm I need to look at what I need to look at weather. So when you look at him, I look at weather. I yeah, I uh, I feel like Kirk has been predictably inconsistent to me. Where looking back at his box scores, everything, just about everything makes sense to me. You know, he flopped versus Philly, but got a stupid. He pushed him outside uh, when it was a great slot matchup. Uh, last week, he smashed an amazing matchup. He struggled against Denver, which is a tough matchup. Um, but that's how I'm seeing it. Jay, do you have anything add to add? Um, not really. I think I think Marvin Jones is is in play. Zay Jones projects a, a little better, but to, you know, to me, they have pretty similar roles, and I think Zay Jones will probably have double the ownership of of Marvin. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm up for all those receiving options with Lawrence, and I think Lawrence is like overall a very strong GPP play. You know the quarterback ownership is really going to concentrate this week around Fields, Mahomes, and and probably Tua as well. Um, so, yeah, if I'm if I'm paying down, Lawrence is probably the first guy I'm. I'm looking at, and I imagine I'll be probably significantly overweight the field on on him. And I, I kind of like the fact, at least for tournaments, that he has been really streaky with his play um, because I think that's going to scare some people off of him. Yeah, I think Zay is going to pop in a lot of the optimizers, but I, I don't think he's for sure. my favorite. Yeah, he's popping. He's popping right now. He's he's. I don't think he's my favorite sub forty eight hundred. So I wouldn't. You got? I wouldn't play Zay and Marvin Jones like uh, like Jake just said in the same lineup. I like uh, DPJ. Yeah. I like uh, Matt Collins probably slightly more. Um, well, next game, I guess we're hitting on all the great games right off the bat. All the uh, best games of the first few games. <laughs> nice. It is. It's all the quarterbacks. Look at the quarterbacks. Yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. boom. You go to no, Miami, and that's right? Cleveland, Cleveland, yeah, Miami. Miami. Yeah, the next game. <laughs> all right, Darren, Darren you're, you're definitely chopping at the bit to, to <laughs> talk this one up so you can take the reins. So Miami, Cleveland? Yep. Yeah. Two of, uh, this this looks like shootout city to me. Um, Tyree Kill, if you guys have not watched Barrett's um, piece on the cornerback matchup, it was absolutely amazing. And uh, Matt, you've been not sharing it with me earlier. So, yeah, <laughs> if you guys haven't watched that cornerback matchup manifesto thing, it's absolutely gold. I Joe, Joe writes that up. I, I did the video. Joe, Joe writes that up. Hi, Joe. You're the man. Um, so... I took so much of the information and it helped building some of my stacks and boosting players and things like that. But Waddle, Tyreek, um, just popping off, off, off for me. I'm kind of upset. We talked on Monday. It looked like Njoku was going to play for Cleveland, but it looks like he's he's leaning doubtful now, which is a which is a shame. Uh, but this is one of my favorite games. Now, I you know I said last week play Mozart, play Mozart, and then that was on Friday, and then I listened to Johnny's take on Sunday. So I did lower some of my exposure on Mozart. I was a little annoying. Mozart scored on the very first drive. So I was all excited. All right, Mozart, here we go. Oh, right. Yeah, he scored in like the first drive. I'm like, here we go. All right, we can get 20, 20, 30 point game. I'm stoked. And then uh, then every play they put him in, he, he looked like crap. 
And then uh, Jeff Wilson came in and looked amazing. And Jeff Wilson's one of my favorite value running backs this week, hands down. He looks so good. Um, I, I didn't think he looked as – I mean, I've watched some of the San Fran games. He looked decent. But, man, he looked amazing. And, you know, having those weapons outside to take the pressure off him in front of the middle. And then Cle- Cleveland just being a complete, well, funnel uh, rush defense. Um, I, I like it. I, I, this game just got his gold all over. Uh, Cooper, I'll let you talk into the stats as far as his matchup goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's my stance on the game. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson joined the team three days prior and immediately supplanted Mostert as the RB one. It was a 55 45 committee in Wilson's favor. But like you said, Wilson really outplayed him. Uh, he gets a terrific matchup. Uh, he has a full understanding of the playbook, Mike McDaniel's scheme, um, I could, I think he's going to outscore Raheem. I, I just don't know if the split is going to remain 55-45 or if it could be, you know, 80-20 for all I know. He's not someone I'm writing up. So he, to me, he's not an amazing play, but he is one of those Darren MME guys where you need to keep an eye on. Because if he does, if he is just, you know, who he was for Kyle Shanahan the past few weeks pre-CMC, he could be, you know, a slate record. This is an offense you desperately want exposure to every single week because this is just flat out one of the best offenses in football by a mile. Um, you know, we have done a great job of nailing these two a double weeks. Uh, basically, if you played them, you won money. And this looks like it definitely could be another one of those weeks. Um, I'll let, I'll let Jake talk about Tua and Tyreek and then I want to talk Waddle and then we'll circle back to Cleveland side. Yeah. So, I mean, we all know, uh, we all know Tua is a great play. He's played five healthy games this season. He's averaging 336 passing yards per game and 24.6 fantasy points per game marks that would rank first and third among all quarterbacks over the full season. Um, he's second among all quarterbacks with 0.58 fantasy points per drop back. And he leads all quarterbacks with a plus 7.2 completion percentage over expectation. So two is absolutely smashing. Um, he's playing well and this offense is giving him a ton of open looks. And then when it comes to Tyreek, I mean, he's seeing just absolutely incredible volume. No player has as many 12 target games this season as Tyreek Hill does. And keep in mind that Tyreek Hill has 19 career games with 12 or more targets. And he's averaging 28.5 fantasy points per game in those games, which is 10% better than Cooper Cup's average throughout all of 21. Um, and Tyreek Hill has earned at least 12 targets in four of his five games with a fully healthy Tua compared to just 13 of 60 regular season games with Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, Tyreek Hill to me is easily the best wide receiver play of the week, um, easily the top value. Some sites have him projected pretty similar to Cooper Cup, which I think is a mistake. I think Hill is a is a much stronger play than than Cup this week. I think he'll probably be about twenty five percent owned, but I'm I'm more than willing to eat that. I mean, he'll probably be forty or fifty percent in my um, you know my my GPP uh, sets. So yeah, I, I absolutely love Hill, and I know you'll uh, you'll talk about Waddle shortly, but I, I think he's a pretty great play too. Darren, is Tyreek going to be the highest on wide receiver on the site? Ninety-one hundred. I don't think so. Let's see what the latest the latest is. Let's All see. right. Well, let me wax poetic about yeah, Waddle while you pull that up. Look. So yeah, Tyreek, we were on this early. Like he is 
He is probably the Exodia wide receiver throughout the remainder of the season. Uh, unreal volume, and this is also the most valuable offensive player non-quarterback in football. So, like, it's just like a perfect world scenario with a uh, brilliant offensive play caller. Uh, yeah, he's probably my number one wide receiver play of the week. But here's the thing. Jalen Waddle might be like my number four favorite wide receiver play of the week because he's 7,600. He's 1,200 cheaper than Justin Jefferson. But he, I like him more than Justin Jefferson, irrespective of matchup. And then factor in the matchup, Jefferson's going up, uh, up against Buffalo. Cleveland is the fourth worst defense against outside wide receivers uh, by schedule adjusted fantasy points per game. They're garbage against wide receiver ones, wide receiver twos, wide receivers deep. And looking at Waddle's numbers, if you exclude the two games, he was questionable. And I think this is valid because for speedy wideouts like Waddle, injuries matter more. You exclude those two games, he averages 22 fantasy points per game. That's more than Justin Jefferson. And he's hit at least 17.5 fantasy points in six of those seven games. So you have upside here, and you also have value and consistency. And just from a tournament perspective, if Tyreek is going to be so much more highly owned, there's upside here where Waddle could be the slate breaker that Tyreek isn't, like in week two. It's not the most likely outcome. Most likely outcome is Tyreek is the alpha and he'll outscore him. But I mean, Waddle scoring touchdowns, Waddle, Waddle's a great play in his own right. Darren. Waddle showing around 9% and Cup and uh, Cup, Tyreek and Kristen Kerr for all around 16. Got it. Got it. Uh, not, not crazy. 16% isn't. No, you're right. He's, he's still a great player. But I'm assuming in bigger entries, bigger um, single entry contests, he'll be. It'll be a lot higher on than, than 16%. So. Uh, I feel like Darren is going to make a case for Jacoby Brissett or maybe Jake. Well, I'm personally not going to, uh, but I will hype up DPJ. And Joku is out. If And Joku was playing, he was going to be one of my favorite plays. He was going to be one of Darren's favorite plays, but he, we have confirmation, is out. He's out. Uh, and so I like DPJ. Like I don't know that there's much of a ceiling here because we really haven't seen much of a ceiling from him at all. But it just goes back to what I've always said with Amari Cooper, who is the biggest disappearing act in football. And he's always struggled in road games, more so than any other player. Uh, him and Big Ben, basically, just like cannot s- sleep without their own personal Tempur-Pedic mattress. Uh, but basically this year, look at just, just filter by fantasy points scored. All of Amari's worst games came at, uh, came on the road. All of his best games came at home. He's like scoring 20 fantasy points at home. He's scoring like six fantasy points in the road. And the exact opposite of that is true for DPJ. 12.1 fantasy points per game on the road. Low of 12.0, 6.9 at home. Uh, it's a great matchup. Miami is giving up the fourth uh, most schedule-adjusted uh, uh, fantasy points per game to opposing outside wide receivers. And Xavier Howard is going to be shadowing uh, Amari Cooper. Yeah, I like it a lot. And I, I, I like doing, and you can do it for cheap too, since Najoku's out. Harrison Bryant's only 2,700, another cheap punt. Works in a stack, allows you to even do it. You could do a, this is sexy. How about a two, a double, and come back with DV, uh, DV, uh, DVP and, um, and, uh, and, uh, ah, tight end of this, sorry. I just lost the page. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, Darren. I, I think that's super live. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna stack Tua and Harrison. and Hill and Waddle, um, you're gonna you're gonna really need to save some salary somewhere. And Harrison Bryant's only twenty seven hundred, and yeah, DPJ projects very strongly at whatever his price is, forty two, forty three hundred. Um, so yeah, all all really strong options there. I do think Brissett's moderately in play if you're making one hundred and fifty lineups. I I'd certainly consider it. I mean, consensus projection projections actually have him as the number three uh qb value right now um you know he won't draw a ton of ownership probably be around three or four percent so um i prefer lawrence at the same price but yeah i think i, th- I think Brissett's an okay option there and i mean like you could go Brissett and have an easier time getting up to to waddle and hill too so i, I think that's a factor yeah yeah that's a good point i got like eight i'm double i'm like around seven eight percent on the as the other one of the other quarterbacks i added was Brissett, somewhere around seven eight percent something like that all right, guys, Nick Chubb, need, need your quick thoughts on it. Uh, I, I just really think Miami controls this game. You know, they're going to put up a lot of points, and I, I could see it. I mean, it's, it's certainly viable, um, but I had, a, I had a stat and study all. Chubb only averages 14.4 fantasy points per game as an underdog of three points or more since 2019. So more likely than not, you know, he's, he's not going to get there, but I think ownership will probably also reflect that. So, um yeah, I think I think he's probably alive for game stacks as a as a one off though. I I don't think it makes much sense. You're you're kind of banking on a a pretty high scoring game here. If um you know if you think Chubb's going out or maybe maybe Cleveland just you know dominates this game and and wins, but that, that doesn't seem very likely. Uh, I I feel like our listeners can just listen to this entire show up until now and have a great grasp. On <laughs> I agree. See you. Play, you know. See you guys. Um, so, but we're, we're moving on to a game with at least two phenomenal plays and that's Texans giants. Uh, is there Darren, is there anyone, uh, you want to talk about who isn't a running back from this game? Daniel Jones is kind of a running back. Something. Okay. 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 <laughs> so that's the other one I've added actually this week. I've actually got a 24, uh, point implied total. He does run a little bit. Um, to me, he's almost like uh, Justin Fields a little bit. His passing options are just so shitty. Um, I wouldn't mind doing – and what I'm doing is with him, I'm doing max one in the game. So you could do, I could go Daniel Jones and come back with Pierce. Um, is Cooks is, – I mean, I'm assuming Cooks is out. What's anything – he's just a nightmare with that guy. He's, I'm assuming he's not playing. I mean, not- I just assume he doesn't play because – he doesn't. He hasn't scored any fantasy points. Like, okay. like even if he's on the field, like right. But he is popping in in all the optimizers, and that was just kind of like an instinctive. Like, why why are we still chasing this guy? Okay. The, the the head. Oh, per sources, the head coach effing hates his guts, and Cooks. Uh, the feeling is mutual. Oh, okay. So he's not playing. Yeah. Um, so we should go all in. No, I think he could play. I, I just like I'm not playing him, so it doesn't. No, matter. no. Yeah, he, I mean, he projects. Giants have an well. underrated uh, secondary as well. Jake, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying, like Cooks, Cooks projects pretty well. I think he'll end up moderately owned. Um, yeah, it's it's tough though with the way that that passing offense is looking. I mean, they just live and die by by Damian Pierce. So, uh, yeah, like that that, that like aspect is tough. Cooks is the cheapest he's been since week one of of last season. So, you know, it's a it's a decent discount there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really hard to love anyone on this Texan side. If Nico Collins sits, I, I think Philip Dorsett is is moderately in play at at thirty six hundred. Um, some cheaper options on the Giants side. 
Wandale Robinson, I, I think is all right. Um, just from like a target volume perspective, um, you know, you could argue he, he doesn't have a ton of yardage upside cause he's running mostly short area routes, but I think it's somewhat viable. Um, you could maybe go with someone like Marcus Johnson, but you know, as a, yeah, if you really want to punt wide receiver, but I don't, I don't think he'll make his way into my player pool. Um, yeah, you can, you can really get, get by with just the running backs this week. Um, but you, you could also argue, you know, cooks just on the basis of, of him being a projected value. I'm, I'm back and forth whether to use Barkley and Pierce in the same lineup or not. I mean, it's close because Barkley catches so many passes. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm probably allow it because I, you know, I like, I like their play so much as far as that goes. And real quick, going back to the Houston receivers, if you're using those, I'd make sure you got Barkley in that lineup with those guys. I think that's the, the most useful they would be. Um, and like you said, I'd like Dorsett probably the best. I think Texans would need to win in order for you to be able to play both. And even then, I, I don't know how much I like it. I spent a lot of time on Pierce this week. I don't really know why, but I, I wrote a lot of words on him. Uh, and basically, like, he's an easy RB1 to me. He's a freakish talent. He's seeing really good usage. He ranks third in carries per game since week three, fourth in rushing yards per game, 11th in fantasy points per game. Uh, he has a pillow soft on paper matchup. Uh, the Giants are giving up the third most yards per carry to opposing running backs, but dot, dot, dot. I have concerns. He To me, I don't know if he's a bell cow or a workhorse because he had zero targets last week, 29% route share, which is garbage. But he did have five targets per game over his prior four games, a much higher route share. Uh, so the uncertainty over my arbitrary distinction between bell cow and workhorse is significant when the Giants are favored by five points. I think that's concerning. The other thing, and I, I only know this because I'm a Giants fan, is on the whole, they appear very vulnerable to running backs, but but they've done an amazing job against teams that are so run-centric in their offensive approach. They shut down Derrick Henry. They shut down Khalil Herbert. Remember when David Montgomery was out? They shut down Aaron Jones. They shut down Kenneth Walker. All of them failed to score even 12.5 fantasy points. Only one scored more than 10, and that was all through the air. They averaged a combined 3.85 yards per carry, which is like all season low numbers for them. And, and they're so basically in these matchups that are similar to this Texans matchup, they sell out to stop the run. What they do is they bring, uh, they make Jihad Ward more of a full time player. And like his grades aren't great in run defense, but like I'm watching these games. Let me tell you, this guy is awesome. He is disruptive. He's a force. And so all this to say, like, yes, he's probably the best value on paper and he's a must play for cash, but I'm probably not going to play him for tournaments just because I think he's going to be what the second highest owned running back in the slate, the highest Pierce. I think it was Pierce's first. Yeah. Pierce is number one. Uh, yeah. Most yeah. Have number one right so, now. So, so this is important. This is important because the last three weeks I'm saying, Oh, don't overthink it. Eat the running back shot. He's third behind uh, Damian, Damian and Travis. Uh, who's Eight third? Nine. Saquon? Yeah, Eight, 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 uh, Barkley shows third highest on behind um, Pearson. Pearson Travis, okay, so what I'm saying is last three weeks, eat the running back chalk. Right now, the running back chalk isn't anywhere near as good as it's been the last few weeks. I'm not going to be playing Pierce just because – He's so highly owned. And because the running back shock keeps hitting, I think it's really going to congregate. 
Uh, and I see many outs. He seems pretty volatile to me, but no doubt a great play. And, so, and I'd be happy to play him in cash. And I would play him in cash. On the opposite side, Saquon Barkley is a great play. Maybe the most upside of any running back. The question is, how much of a better play is he than Alvin Kamara when he's 1,200 more expensive or Josh Jacobs when he's 1,000 more expensive? Uh, Saquon Barkley, the argument's easy. Massive bell cow. It goes CMC, top bell cow, Barkley, number two. He gets 85% of the backfield XFP, 30% of the team XFP. So he's like basically the entire offense. Uh, Carries there. Targets are a little overrated, 4.6. I mean, Eckler and and uh, Kamara are at like 8.5 over the last four games. So a little, a little overrated in that regard, but he, he leads all running backs at snap share, third in XFP, fourth in fantasy points per game, incredibly consistent production. He said 18.5 DK in five of his last six games, but there hasn't been much of a ceiling, high of 22.6. But if there were to be a ceiling outcome game, it would be this week. I cannot overemphasize just how bad this Texans defense is. It's the top run funnel defense in football. They have a great pass defense and they are worst in the league against running backs, six points over uh, their average by schedule adjusted worst in rushing yards per game, about 30% worse than the next closest second worst in yards per carry. And I don't see why Saquon smashes. My only question is at 8,600, at least a K more than, Kamara and Jacobs. Who do you prefer for tournaments, Darren? Uh, Derek Henry, but he's, he's you know it's like oh you you'd add Derek Henry there, okay? I like I mean you said tournaments, right? But I love yeah. I mean Derek Henry's in the mix, but I I have him behind Kamara and Jacobs. I, I do too. I'm the, like I said, you said for tournaments. So sorry, okay. get away from the. That's the only reason I'm saying that. But the my my favorite tournament running back on the slate is Dalvin Cook. He's coming. Oh, in. great, great, great call. Yeah, he's like under like eight percent being owned as. A- uh, so 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 I I didn't frame this correctly. Let's say for a single entry tournament, and you, you kind of just want to play the best plays. Do you have Saquon over Kamara and Jacobs? Yeah. It's how I have it right now, but yes. I'm uncertain. Yes. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I would. I'm not gonna overthink. All right, well we'll we'll get to Kamara and Jacobs, but uh, it's I I I think it's right. I think it's right, but. But it's, it's a lot closer to me than I think ownership might imply. Um, next game on the list. Oh, right, we're right there. This is just like the perfect segues. Uh, Saints, Saints, Steelers. So I'll just, I'll just give my, my argument for Kamara is this is sort of a mind-blowing stat. Is he's been in the winning Millie Maker lineup in each of his last three main slate games. Why not, why not make that four in a row this week? Uh, just basically since returning from injury in week five, uh, 16.0 yards per carry, 7.4 targets per game, significantly more than Barkley. First in XFP per game, second in fantasy points per game. And in New Orleans, two victories over this stretch. Kamara averages 12.8 DK rushing fantasy points per game and 22.9 DK receiving fantasy points per game. That's like Tyreek Hill as a receiver plus an extra 13 fantasy points per game as a bonus. Maybe this is cherry cherry picking a small sample, but New Orleans is favored this week. They're not going to be favored very often, 
Um, it's just by 1.5 points. Uh, and then otherwise the matchup is perfectly neutral everywhere, maybe bottom 12 in some areas, but Pittsburgh's getting TJ Watt this back. And that's, that's sort of an issue, but again, he is 1200 cheaper than Saquon Barkley. And I, I think this is a compelling case laid out by me. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, obviously he's a great play. I'm not, I'm not sure there'll be a significant ownership difference between him and him and Barkley though to warrant, you know, getting off Barkley and in tournaments even I, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm struggling with this is like, how is, how's is running back ownership going to shake out? I imagine it'll be pretty flat between those top options. And I would expect Barkley and Kamara to both come in around 20, 25%. I don't know. Darren, what do you think? Yeah. So Pittsburgh hasn't been that bad against running back last five weeks. They were top 10 last three weeks, middle of the pack. Um, the saints only have a 20 in play total. So that's not the best. They're on the road. I'm assuming it's going to be cold and, and shitty outside. In Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm assuming I get a I look at weather, um, but uh, I mean, listen, he's Camaro. He can score 50 points. I'm gonna have how much I got right now. I've got like 23 percent of Camaro as of right now. So I'm gonna not like I'm not playing the dude, um, but he's Camaro. He's 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 an, he's an amazing play. You know, you, you can't. It's like with these top running backs, it's it's just hard to like. You're not trying to find holes. I'm just trying to look at some stats and look at some trends. You know, they're on the road. You know, I, this could actually be. I, I love. I'm gonna get to Olav. I always call him. You know, I'm gonna wear an Olav uh, snowman hat next time. I swear to God, I call <laughs> Olav. I call him Olav. Every single time on this on the thing, Olav. Olave. So it's Olav. It's Chris Olav. So Olav. Olav. I'm gonna be a. It could be Italian to say. It. So Olav. So anyway, so. Alave is like one of my favorite wide receivers on the slate. He's yeah. going to be one of my top three highest owned wide receivers. Don't want to get off Kamara, but I'm. That's my thoughts on Kamara. He's a great play. I mean, it's not not going to dispute. Don't play him. You know, he's a. I've got twenty percent right now. So. Yeah. So uh, again, what, how I approach my articles is I write up the best plays, and then I try and poke holes in them from a GPP perspective. And so again, like you see this matchup for Saquon Barkley and it's like, okay, he absolutely has to smash. But like to argue back against that is like New York's highest scoring games this year have been 27, 24, 23, 21, 19, 16, 13 points. And then the Saints, they have 39, 34, uh, 27, 26. And so I just don't know that this offense has – the slate breaking upside we wanted to, but again, it, it feels nitpicky to me. Uh, I, I will just say I'm, I'm totally uh, with you on Olave. It's an absolutely great matchup. He feels underrated. Like he's being underrated despite what he's been asked to do serving as the team's clear wide receiver one. The usage we know is incredible, even with Andy Dalton under center. Um, and he's also had a string of tough matchups, Seattle, Brutal matchup. Arizona, brutal matchup. Raiders, brutal matchup for outside wide receivers. And this is a top five matchup. Yep, they have yeah. the, they're the worst. Uh, they're worse against receivers on the on the main slate. Steelers are, are dead last, allowing 34 points a game. So, and he pairs well with Pickens. We'll get to Pickens in a second. But anyway, so. 
I, I think there's good reason to view Olave similarly to Amon Ross St. Brown, at least in terms of, you know, projected volume and stuff. And Amon Ross is going to three X his ownership. So yeah, I, you know, Olave, I think is a fantastic play, especially, um, well, not necessarily, but especially if you are going to get off Kamara a little bit. And, you know, I had a note in study hall. I'm not sure how relevant it is, but he has, Kamara has struggled in low total games uh, since 2019, even as a favorite has averaged just 14.1 fantasy points per game in his eight career uh, games with a sub 44 total. So, you know, you could, you can poke holes in, in Kamara, but yeah, like, like Darren said, he's, you know, he's an amazing player and uh, yeah, he could, he could go for 50 points, but I think Olave is the main guy I'm, I'm interested in on the New Orleans side. Um, all right. Anyone on the on Pittsburgh side, Darren? I know there's some guys you like. But... Pickens. Pickens. Why Pickens over Deontay when Deontay is seeing twice as much target volume and there's 800 more? I think um, Pickett, uh, I think Deontay would get more double double team more than Pickens with. Uh, is Marshawn Lattimore playing? Because that's not a great I matchup. Not, I don't think he I'll, is. I'll pull it up. I think he's out. Uh, yep. He's, he's out. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Um, the guy that I think I'm the most interested in on the Pittsburgh side is, is Pat Fryermuth. Um, Tomlin had a quote earlier this week where he was like, look, we thought Chase Claypool and Fryermuth were pretty, pretty redundant. Um, in that, you know, they were both soaking up those, those short area targets. So with Claypool out, you can project Fryermuth for a bit of a, a bit of a volume bump. Um, I, I don't love it. I don't really love anyone on the Pittsburgh side. Uh, you could maybe make a case for Jalen Warren at 4,900. If you, you know, if you think he sort of takes over this backfield this week, like, I mean, Tomlin sort of passively hinted at that, but I'm not sure you can really put a ton of weight on something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not thrilled about any of these Pittsburgh guys. Deontay is probably the best value overall. You know, I can I can see Pickens, but I think Fryermuth is going to be the guy I play if I have to play a Steeler. Um, yeah, so Pickens was popping for me. Uh, I just wanted to push back on that to hear your thoughts, but uh, he he definitely does have the most favorable matchup, even if Lattimore is out. Just where he's running the majority of his routes is where uh, New Orleans is is clearly the most vulnerable, even with Marshawn Lattimore playing. Um, I liked your Friar move take. I think that's a good take. Um, Deontay, I can make a case for it. If you read XFP, you know, he's due for a massive regression. Uh, he is getting open at the highest rate in the league for the second year in a row, according to ESPN's data. And our, our numbers are somewhat similar. What's going wrong is, is uh, Pickett is throwing accurate balls, but he's throwing them late and he's picking the wrong, wrong spots. Like, Plays where Deontay is wide open, he's not seeing him. Plays where Deontay is actually being has a cornerback draped over him, that's when he throws to him. Uh, but he's averaging like negative 7.4 par, which is the worst in 15 years by like 47%. The second worst season was AJ Green a couple of years ago. Uh, and there's just no way that's sustainable. He's one of those MME guys Darren will play where it's like, hey, maybe he has a Joe Mixon like game or, where he makes up all that ground. In one week, I don't see that being the case because Deontay's never been a ceiling guy, but at 5,800, he doesn't need a massive ceiling. Pickens, I, I think, is in play too, but you could also argue against it with just this offense is broken, the offensive play, court, uh, play caller is a moron, the quarterback's not playing well. 
Uh, I actually think Najee Harris is an interesting contrarian play because like you said, there's been all these hints about Warren getting more work, but Warren himself has said he has not had any increase in reps or responsibilities this week. Mark Kabali, whatever his name is, just, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh's best beat was like Najee Harris isn't getting benched. When the hell did that come from? And he tweeted about it and listen, he sucked all year, but should be a little healthier after the buy. And uh, he's 5,500. He's not going to be a guy I play. I might not even write him up, but he is a solid contrarian play. Um, I think really just to sum this up, it's, it's Kamara or Alave. And maybe you can just have one or the other on 100% of your lineups. You can mini stack it too. You can do Kamara, Alave, and uh, Firemuth or one of the receivers. Yeah. Um, Final note on uh, Najee Harris. He's the cheapest he's, he's ever been this week. So I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, he actually doesn't project that bad. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, But, you know, making 150 lineups, you want to throw five or 10 Najee Harris lineups out there. I, you know, I wouldn't call you crazy. uh, Next game. Wow. Real barn burner. Denver, Tennessee. What are your thoughts, Jake? Oh man. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this, this really, this really isn't great. I mean, Derek, Derek Henry's a solid play. Um, wrote him up, wrote him up in values. He's, he's their entire offense right now. Over the last three weeks, he's been responsible for 58% of the team's total offensive yards. Like he's, he's everything to this Tennessee offense. So I think, you know, that's, if you're playing Henry, that's, that's the bet is that he's, he's the entire offense. He's going to score all their points. He's going to gain all their yards. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I really don't think there are a lot of great options in this game. Um, Greg, Greg Dulcich is, you know, he, he projects really well. He's our top value tight end of the week. Um, you know, I can, I can certainly get behind that. He's, he's flashed a, a decent ceiling. He's got a strong route share. Um, yeah, outside of him and Henry though, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't really see anyone else who's like close to viable. Darren? Russ Wilson. <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry, man. He's showing like three percent owned. They can't run the ball. Titans are bottom eight against receivers. Um they think Tennessee's just amazing. We saw Mahomes throw it sixty-eight times against them last week. I'm not saying that Russ is Mahomes, but if we can get even half of that, he throws the ball forty times, we could get a little bit of uh, production here. So I'm gonna be using some Russ this week with um um, with Henry uh, coming back. So I, I like Sutton and, and or Judy. I won't have much overall, but Dolich is such a good value too. He's he's so cheap. We can, I could just do a Russ, Dolich, and hope Russ runs runs one in and come back with Henry. So I don't mind that also for a low-owned stack, that little sneak. I know they're Vegas implied is this it's horrible, but that's why that's why you play that's why I play GPPs, man, trying to get a little bit and Russ's price is pretty good too. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm just fading this game. I will say, oh, minus Dulcich, who I have as the top value, uh, just ahead of Foster Moreau. Um, and I will say, if I were an MME guy, I would give Sutton a plus one boot, boost. It's really just a perfect matchup for him and a tough matchup for Judy, and he's he's a little cheap. Um but I'm not an enemy guy like Darren is, so I'm probably not even going to write him up or play him anywhere. But I've if I were, plus one boost. 
uh, given the matchup and some other things. Uh, well, next game, Foster Moreau, uh, Raiders against the Colts. Uh, again, Moreau's a, a solid play, but a hair behind Dulcich to me. Really, I just think Dulcich has significantly more upside. He leaves all tight ends in deep targets per game. That uh, We know that's Russell Wilson's strength. Uh, so I see more upside there, but Foster Moreau uh, leads all tight ends in route share over the last three weeks, uh, 11th in target share. And now Hunter Renfro, who wasn't seeing a lot of volume, is out, but they were competing for similar types of targets, these low ADOT middle of the field targets. So it's a slight boost to him. And again, you know, leads all tight ends in route share. That's that's rare at his price. Um Anyone else on um, anyone stand out to you on Indianapolis aside? Because to me, it's just this is a tanking team that's that wants to lose. And then we'll talk about jo- Josh Jacobs in a second. Paris Campbell is right, moderately right. in play just because Las Vegas is like the nuts matchup for slow wide receivers. I mean, obviously, it the is- problem is like we have no idea what to expect out of out of this offense. I mean, who knows how they how they end up rotating wide receivers or how often they even throw. Um, but yeah, the, the matchup is, is stellar for, for Campbell. If this were Matt Ryan and Frank Reich, I would write him up as the best play of the slate. Uh, but we saw Sam Allinger has just ignored him. I don't know that this team wants to exploit bad matchups because I don't think they're competent enough to recognize them, nor am I sure that they want to win at this point, rather than just lose for a top quarterback. Uh, but with those concerns in mind, uh, Josh Jacobs really stands out to me. He's he's really flopped in, in back-to-back embarrassing losses. Uh, Amir Abdullah has played significantly more. He's down to 63% of the snaps. But over the prior three games, he was at 85%. And he became just one of 12 running backs in NFL history to have 30 fantasy points in three straight games. Um, it's not a good matchup on paper, but... Uh, this, the, the environment is excellent because game script is positive. And we know Jacobs has always been one of the most game script sensitive running backs in fantasy. He averages 20.6 fantasy points per game in victories, only 11.7 in losses, basically a 10 point swing. That's crazy. And this year it's 35.5 in wins to 13.6 in losses. Um, and so that's why I like him, but uh, I don't think I like him quite as much as Kamara or Saquon. Yeah, I think I think people might be a little scared off of Jacobs after the last two weeks. You know, they'll see his snap share and and be a little freaked out. But I mean, he's playing eighty three percent of the snaps when Las Vegas has the lead, compared to around sixty percent when they're trailing. Um, and this is a game where you know they should they should lead the entire time. So um, I think Jacobs is a pretty strong play. And out of you know the top six running backs, him, Etienne, Kamara, Henry, Barkley, Pierce, he'll probably be the lowest owned of that of that group. Um, so maybe worth a boost in, in GPPs there. I don't see how many more targets he's going to get with no rim for it. That's what I'm interested in is the pass catching with no rim. Waller's been out, so it doesn't really matter. So you can't really, you can't really look at recent, recent stuff going on with that. But Renfro um, coming in. So Mac is Collins. Hollins will play in the slot. Scott. No, I don't think so. Are they going to, I don't know who that would be, to be honest. I didn't even look at it. It's a good question. I should have looked at it. Um, 
Keelan Cole. Oh, that's right. Keelan Cole. Okay. He's he's min priced. I mean, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll like he'll have no ownership min price. Uh, I I don't love it, but you know, you're making 150 teams. You don't don't need to take him out of your out of your player pool. Hollins projects as a as a pretty decent value overall. Um, not quite as good as as DPJ, but probably the second best like 4K range wide receiver. Wow, Key and Cole showing five percent ownership actually. So, oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm not I'm not super bullish just because. I mean, hey, Renfro Renfro couldn't score any fantasy points, so yeah, he can do anything yeah. either. Why is yeah a, a worse play going to do better? You know? Oh, also, yeah. uh, Indy is best in the league against slot wide receivers. So. Oh yeah, Ken- Kenny Moore's a stud. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, there you go on that. Uh, next game, first game. Oh, second game of the four o'clock slate. Man, I'm so bad at hosting. It's Dallas <laughs> Green Bay. There is one guy who really stands out to me, possibly two. Uh, Darren, do you want to guess who it is? Um, the guy that won me preseason? <laughs> Sam- Samari Toure? Oh, hey, maybe. He, he has a great matchup. I don't know. I'm assuming it's maybe. I'm. I, I wish it was. I wish it was uh, Pollard. If Zeke wasn't playing, but uh, I'm assuming it's uh, Lamb. No, Schultz. It's got to be Schultz, right? Oh, he's Schultz is number two. Oh. Um, and I'll explain why I like Schultz. And it's uh, Lamb was smashing with Cooper Rush under center, 82 yards per game as six career starts. But over Dak's last ten starts just 55.2 Dalton Schultz 50.9 so it's really just like they're sharing the wide receiver one role uh so I do think Schultz is a little interesting but again I don't know that he's fully healthy um I I don't know that there's a lot of upside for really anyone in this matchup uh or this 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 game uh just two teams I don't have a lot of faith in Dallas also their their offensive identity has shifted they're now this slow paced run heavy offense that wins on the back of their run game uh who does stand out to me is alan lazard and i think he's being a little slept on he ranks 17th in fantasy points per game and that's sort of mind-blowing to me considering how limited he was in week two and how limited he was in week seven leaving that game early but if you adjust for that he's averaging 16.4 fantasy points per game that's you know wide receiver 13 numbers um dallas is a fringe bottom 12 matchup against slot wide receivers, which is where he runs about half of his routes. I don't think people are going to play him, but he, he looks like a value to me at, at 6,100, maybe a slight value, not an amazing play, but I, I'm with you on Lazard, just given how beat up these, these green Bay uh, wide receiver room is. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to get a lot of targets there and I, I don't think he'll be particularly high owned. I, honestly, I mean, there's a strong argument to be made that you can just completely X this game out of your player pool and be totally fine. I, I see this pretty easily. Well, I mean, the Denver-Tennessee game will compete, but this is right there with Denver-Tennessee is the grossest, grossest game of the slate, I think. Looks like Aaron Jones uh, practiced today, so he's he looks like right. he's okay. I'm, just, I'm curious if he is maybe a little hurt. They'll maybe mix in a little bit more of uh, A.J. Dillon, but you know, with Aaron, if he's not in as much, maybe that throws a couple more targets towards uh, Lazard's way. I've, I, I like Lazard this week. I got 
20, uh, 18% right now. So I'm on board with that for sure. Did, did we dig into Dalvin Cook at all when you were talking Vikings? I, I forgot to mention. We did. To me, he's a clear mid-range RB1 and like a highest-end bell cow. Alexander Madison scored a touchdown a couple of weeks ago. But uh, really, if you just look at the percentage of snaps, carries, targets out of that backfield, XFP out of that backfield, Dalvin is just like clearly that guy. And I, I think he's going to get slept on. Uh, I still need to dive into the matchup a little bit better. But Darren, you, you said he was your favorite GPP play relative to ownership, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you got anybody running back as, you know, as far as Dalvin Cook's status goes and, you know, wait for him to bust out and have an amazing game. This is it. Buffalo over the last three weeks are bottom six against running backs. And I'm assuming they're going to try and keep the ball away if, if Josh Allen plays. If he doesn't play, you know, all bets are off, you know. Like, yeah, you could have, he could have game script in his favor. Exactly right. So if he's yeah. not playing. So, um, so actually, the, actually, you know, Johnny's favorite thing to say is play the, play Dalvin Cook with Minnesota Vikings. Vikings defense is only, I think, 2,200. So if there's no Josh Allen, you know, they don't have to do that much to pay off that, that small value. Yeah, so, Cook, Cook's usage has been really strong these last few weeks. He's yeah, been over. Yeah, he's been over 20 expected fantasy points in a 76% snap share in the last two weeks. Yep. Um, you know, in, a, in his first six games, he exceeded a 76% snap share just twice and never earned more than 20 expected fantasy points. So, I mean, he's back to, you know, old, fully healthy Dalvin Cook usage and no one wants to play him. And the Vikings, you know, there's pretty good argument that they could they could win this game given uh, Case Keenum seems to be the likely starter for Buffalo. And I think Hawkinson playing actually helps them too, having him acquire decks. They got one more weapon they have to worry about on the, you know, worry about uh, passing side. And um, Hawkinson's, you know, he's a decent blocker. He's not really known as a blocker. He's a decent blocker also. So I think that's that's another thing that can actually help Cook. Listen, it's a, G, it's a great GP play. You know, you're looking to get, you know, with the, the chalky running backs and then play uh, Cook in the flex spot, um, and then you're you're already different than most other people instead of just plugging in you know the top three highest owned um, running back. So I, I'm going to be doing that a ton this week with with Cook, and uh, we'll see. Uh, next game on our list: Arizona Rams. Um, we might not have either starting quarterback in this game. My goodness, uh, Cooper Cup's worst games over the past two seasons have all come against Arizona. I'm not going to play him. I like Tyreek significantly more. Uh, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on this disgusting game? Yeah, I, I, I really don't get like Cup's projection relative to Tyreek's. Like, it just makes no sense to me. I think Tyreek. That's will... not us, right? That's no, no. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a broader a broader industry thing. I mean, there are a couple of sites where it's like an identical projection, uh, which is kind of hilarious to me, but yeah, I'm not, I'm really not interested in pretty much anyone in this game. I mean, maybe you could make an argument for someone like James Connor, who people aren't really going to want to play. And, you know, we'll probably see about 70% of the, the backfield work, but yeah, I, I view this as a, as a really gross divisional game. And, um, you know, even, uh, even if the quarterbacks, even if both quarterbacks end up playing, you know, Kyler won't be running with that groin injury and Matthew Stafford looks just like absolutely horrendous um, because of the offensive line play. So yeah, I'm really not, not very interested in many of the options here. I think, I think Higby, if I, if I go somewhere, it'll probably be to, to Higby who was seeing really great volume prior to, um, 
prior to week nine and, and has run cold, I think the last three weeks. Um, but he's only 3,600. Yeah. I'd like to speak to this. Uh, I wrote him up as the best tight end play, the cash tight end play last week. It's better than maybe other sites you had Tanyan or whatever, but I, I saw his route share declining and I assumed that was just injuries because he suffered a stinger two weeks ago. And then uh, he, had, he was on the injury report uh, the other game, but I think it's just Van Jefferson comes in and their offensive line is so bad. They need him blocking, but yeah, he had a route share over 70% in each of his first five games since then 50%, 33% last week, 45%. And so I want, wanted to love him because Arizona is giving up 14.4 fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. Uh, that's not far behind my, Mark Andrews tight end too. And then no one else really comes close to that Fant paid off big for us last week, over 90 receiving yards, but I just don't really trust him with that route share. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Darren, do you want to break the tie? Yeah. Yeah. So basically um, the Rams and the Cardinals are first and second worst against tight ends the last uh, few weeks. And another thing that um, that's doesn't get talked about that much when you have these backup quarterbacks, they usually tend to throw to their tight ends as safety blankets. Uh, trying to you know try and get a little bit more comfortable in the offense as far as that goes, and uh, he could be busted big time. Even like I said, he was one of my highest owns, and he just completely shit the bed. Um, but Higby's actually right now showing about eleven percent ownership. Um, Ertz, I I've always liked Ertz. Ertz is showing three percent ownership. I mean that's just too low for Ertz for what he can do. Um, so I like him quite a bit too, especially going against. Um, uh, the cards who would, I mean, excuse me, against the Rams who are dead last against tight ends. You know, he, he can score two, you know, he's a two touchdown type guy, especially if, um, if the backups, uh, you know, if the backups that ends up playing. Uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm totally fading this game, especially if the quarterbacks are out. But um, the, the player who stood out most to me was Rondale Moore. Um so excluding the games where they were without AJ Green slash uh, Robbie Anderson in that outside wide receiver two role, um, he kicked outside, which is where he shouldn't belong. He's trash outside. So just looking at the games where Greg Dorch was in the slot without Rondale and the games where Rondale was in the slot, he averages 8.5 targets per game and 15.5 fantasy points per game that would rank 12th among all wide receivers, not just wide receivers on the slate. And he's only priced as the wide receiver 24 on DraftKings. Um, so I like that. Um, Hopkins at 8K, uh, just not not really about it. Moore also has the, the slightly better matchup, I think. I think Connor is, is interesting too. He, um, I mean, he smashed with Colt McCoy last year. Right. Well, the thing is, yeah, well, that's another thing. So they'll lean on the run a little bit more if he plays. But the thing that got me kind of interested, even though he didn't score that much, he only had seven carries, but he had five targets and he caught all five balls and Eno only had one target. So that interests me in the passing game. You know, his first game back, he, he got five targets immediately. So if they're going to use him in a little target game for a, another low, lower owned uh, running back. So, you know, it's it's a the GPP play, but if you want to be really different, you play uh, James Conner and Dallin Cook. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, super GPP, you know, be different, super off the wall, but you got James Conner who can fall in the end zone two, three times. So he's that type of play. Huh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not confident enough to 
even know how to share my screen and, and do the optimizer. So we're not going to build a lineup this week. Apologies for that. But we smashed last week. Our lineup, if you swapped Ramondre with Mixing, would have won everything. Uh, and I would be retired right now, but I'm not. Um, any last overarching thoughts on the slate, Jake or Darren? Go ahead, Jake. Um, I really like Dalvin Cook. I, I think I think he's probably the strongest GPP player running back, like Darren noted. Um, yeah, quarter quarterback I think is is pretty interesting in that like there's there's just a clear top three between Mahomes, Fields, and and Tua. So I, you know, I think in in GPPs I'll probably end up with a lot of a lot of Trevor Lawrence, probably some some Brissett, maybe some some Daniel Jones too. Um, do yourself a favor. Do not play Derek Carr. This man has scored. He, he, he clocks in at 5% ownership every week. He's exceeded 25 fantasy points once since 2019. Like he's just <laughs> not capable of winning you a tournament. Um, <laughs> you run uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I have any more broader thoughts than, than that. I, I think it's a pretty interesting slate. Um, yeah. D- Darren, you have anything? Yeah. So me and Scott talked about on the show or uh, the show that he had me on earlier in the week is, the first four games are the best games that we talked about. And so what, what I'm doing is, and, you know, Scott made a good point, try mini stack in your single entries and your three max those games. I'm going to be mini stacking. It's it's a super hard build because I'm trying to do some extra stuff this week. But I'm basically trying to put those four, first four games in as many lineups as possible. I want to I want to jam in as many players as I can. I can't jam in everybody. It's not that's not the way it's supposed to work. But you know, my favorite um, one offs are like Olave and Pickens, and you know they they can you know fall into those lineups. But those are the best games. And with Justin Fields, don't feel like you have to force in. Oh, I've got to stack this game. You don't have to stack Fields with three players. It doesn't work like that. Not with a running quarterback. Um, but that's that's my that's my thoughts. I love it. I think we killed it. I think we have an, a, a great, unique grasp on a slate. Uh, I think this is going to be a profitable week for us. Again, I, I saw like Al Smizzle tweeting out that this was the worst slate of the, the season. I don't see that. Oh, I, I see this as a pretty good slate, and I, I think we have a good, unique grasp on it. So uh, thank you both for joining us. Um, we'll all be in Discord. Check out my slate breakdown article. I may make some changes. Like what, what I what I feel right now, I, you know, sometimes after spending – uh, until three in the morning thinking about this slate, each individual player, things will change. So make sure you check that out, the slate breakdown. And uh, if you want to just print money and like recoup the cost of your subscription 20 times over, uh, join college football or package and, and join Darren in printing money every single week. 